0: I first learned about Whitefall's disappearances about a month ago. It was just a normal Saturday morning at the local cafe, drinking coffee with my new co-workers. Then the question, why did you move here? It wasn't an easy answer. Most people don't really tend to move to small towns. They usually want to move away from them. So, I told most of the truth, that I'm a struggling writer looking for my muse, and this place, it just kind of spoke out to me. What I didn't want to tell them was my uncle had passed away and left me a modest amount of money. I didn't want to admit that I had squandered that money away. I had wasted it on nothing, just traveling around trying to gain experience and becoming a well-rounded writer. Nobody would want to admit that to people they had just met. So instead, I told them I fell in love with the town, the 1950-esque Main Street, the brick buildings, sitting shoulder to shoulder, the vintage feel, everything you need within walking distance. But I definitely couldn't tell the whole truth. That this job, this town, was my last-ditch effort to find something to write about. Something to inspire me before I finally gave up and got a real job. My new co-workers and I talked about our hobbies. Favorite shows, favorite bands, favorite podcasts. And that's when we clicked. Unexplained disappearances... Unsolved murders, unnatural events, urban legends. These were my people. That's where it all started. That one discussion led me to a local mystery. That mystery led me to a disappearance. That disappearance led to an urban legend. Lines and lines, connection after connection. I'm Luke Davis, and this is Tethers. Have been disappearing since, well, forever. But as we sat and talked over our drinks, Emily, Spencer, and Stacy informed me that this town, in the past, had more than its fair share of disappearances. There haven't been very many lately, but that wasn't the case a hundred years ago. At the time, most people chalked it up to people just getting fed up with small town life. They needed to get out. There were things happening. Portland was rapidly growing to the north and sunny California was calling from the south. There were opportunities all over the place. Some people were only stopping on their way through, working in the logging or fishing industry just long enough to make some money before moving on. That made sense to me. I kind of felt like I was doing the same thing. The strange thing here was when people left, nobody ever heard from them again. Ever. Sons, daughters, sisters, brothers, would leave sometimes in the middle of the night, And there would never be a single telegram, a single letter, nothing ever again. This led to many stories, tales, and urban legends forming around the town. There were witches, beasts, and monsters. Monsters who would grab you and take you away into the dark. This was it. I had found my own eerie Indiana, wayward pines, twin peaks. My very own mystery and nobody had written about it before. I had to find out more. We sat around that small table for a few hours as I asked question after question. They were happy to answer. There's really not much else to do in a town this small. I remember leaving the coffee shop that night, my fingers itching to get to my computer to start to write all this down. I brought it back up to Spencer again the next day at work. I asked where I could find more information because I had finally found something to write about. He asked what parts I was most interested in. I told him all of it. But I would probably start with the disappearances. And that... That's how I found out about Emily. M. She had been looking into the disappearances for a while now. She would have all the information I could ever need. So he gave her my number and told me that I was interested. And next thing you know, I'm back at the coffee shop, sitting across from her. Now... You'll have to bear with me. I tried to record our conversation, but I lost a good chunk of the audio. I tried to piece together what I had, but it took me over an hour just to get a couple of minutes worth, so you'll just have to hear the Cliff Notes version. After introducing ourselves and some awkward icebreaking, awkward on my part, I started to ask her about what she knew about Whitefall and the disappearances. It's hard to tell exactly when the disappearances started, All Emily had to go on were a few old newspaper clippings. Story after story, they all felt the same. People around here just disappeared. 132 people went missing between the years of 1925 and 1946. That doesn't seem like a lot, but that's just over 6 people a year. And for a town with less than 5,000 people, that's a huge number. After 1946, everything just kind of slowly tailed off, and almost completely stopped around the mid-90s. I wanted to know why a young, funny, smart, attractive girl was so interested in a bunch of disappearances that happened forever ago. She had a good reason. The last person to disappear without a trace was... her uncle. Something happened today. I don't know if I should even write this down. If someone were to read this, they would think I was crazy. But I need to get this out of my head somehow. Maybe I am going crazy. I don't know. But I want this on paper because I feel like I'm forgetting already. There was a new door today. I was sweeping the ground floor at work, same as I always do. Just pushing my broom and something felt wrong. A door was there that wasn't supposed to be. I had never seen it before, but it looked old. Like it was original to the building, not like the newer metal doors. Dark wood paneling with solid wood trim. I stopped and stared for probably 30 seconds before I processed it. For the life of me, I didn't know what should have been there. Was there something there? Was it a blank wall? Was there some piece of machinery, a cabinet, something? It hurt my head to try to remember what was there. It physically hurt to try to remember. I approached the door, not knowing what to do. Tried the handle a simple round, weathered brass doorknob. It was ice cold. I turned the knob and pushed the door inward stairs stone steps going down into inky blackness I couldn't see anything past the first few steps I was not going down there what if everything suddenly disappeared and went back to normal what if there used to be a wall there and the door disappeared with me on the other side like I said I honestly thought I I think I think I'm going crazy My heart was pounding. The thump, the thump was all I could hear. I felt like I was shrinking, like the walls were closing in around me. I remember thinking this couldn't be happening. I started to hyperventilate. The next thing I remember, I was punching out on the time clock on my way home. I couldn't remember walking away from the door, finishing my shift, none of it.
1: I was tired. Maybe I stayed up too late playing video games. Maybe I was just hallucinating. Thinking back on this now, it almost feels like a dream. Maybe it was. From the Journal of Edward Eddie Van Buren, October 15th, 1995. After our meeting
0: at the coffee shop, Emily had something for me. Well, quite a few things, actually. We walked out to her car, where she had a large cardboard box sitting in the back seat. It contained every item she had relating to Eddie, except for one. I grabbed the box while she opened the trunk of her white Hyundai. She came around from the back of her car with a large white computer tower. We walked them over to my car as I awkwardly tried to hit the unlock button on my key fob that was still in my pocket. After I finally got the door unlocked, we put both items in the back seat. I think she could see how confused I was. Why was she giving me everything? Emily explained. She felt like she had hit a dead end, and she hoped that I would be able to see something that she couldn't. Thinking back to our time in the coffee shop, she really didn't give me a whole lot of detail about her uncle's disappearance. When I asked her about the lack of detail, she told me she wanted me to see the case through Eddie, through his journal, through his things. She didn't want to muddy the waters with her own opinions. She wanted me to keep an open mind, and that's what I'm trying to do. Keep an open mind.
1: February 6th, 1966. It happened again today. The door is back.
0: It almost convinced myself that it wasn't real. I was called into work today. It's usually my day off, but Marco called in sick. It was different today. I usually feel strange when I am in the building alone. It's an old building, and there are always lots of noises. But today, I felt someone watching me. I had a couple of other employees, the maintenance guys, and Marco tell me that they have seen movement and lights and more in the building late at night when they were alone. Could just be the machines. Someone may have left one on. The paper cutters and the folding machines, they all have lights on them. I was doing my last door check before I left
1: when I thought I saw something behind me a reflection in the window, a person, a flash, blonde hair. But when I
0: turned around, nothing was there. I wanted to believe it was my imagination. I wish I could get out on paper just how weird it felt like it was. Just outside my body.
1: I had just a few more doors to check and I could leave. Just like the last time. The door was there. I didn't open it this time. I didn't want to go anywhere near it. Maybe I need more sleep. I don't know. Now... The logical
0: part of my brain is looking for explanations for these two journal entries. Psychosis? Schizophrenia? Drugs? Toxic mold? Lack of sleep? I told Emily I'd keep an open mind as I read the journals, not just write them off as the ramblings of a crazy man. The Society for Psychical Research, or PSI, has this entry in their online encyclopedia. Quote, Jot, just one of those things, is a recent line of inquiry investigating the possibility that everyday misplacements of objects normally attributed to false perceptions, failures of observation, or mistaken memories, may sometimes have a non-normal cause. The term has been coined by Mary Rose Barrington, a PSI investigator and member of the Society for Psychical Research. Barrington characterizes Jot as things that inexplicably come and go, though more usually they go and may or may not come back whether to their original location or somewhere else. More formally, Jot signifies spatial discontinuities and, when these amount to displacement of articles, these incidents are jottles. Barrington argues from her large case collection that while many such incidents can be attributed to absent-mindedness, hallucination, or disassociative personality, some defy any explanation, and constitute a category similar to other more widely reported and studied psychophysical phenomena, such as poltergeist effects, telekinesis, and materialization, for which the evidence is copious and robust. Barrington identifies six types of joddle as follows. Comeback an article known to have been at a certain location ceases to be present there and is later found back at or very near that same location. Walkabout. An article ceases to be present at a known location and is later found at a different location. Flyaway. An article known to have been in a certain location ceases to be present and, to date, remains unfound. Turnup. An article known to the finder but from an uncertain location is found in a location where it is known to not have been before it was found. Windfall, an article of unknown provenance, is found to be inexplicably present. Trade-in, an article ceases to be present at or near a known location, and soon afterwards a similar article is found in that location. End quote. So, if we are going to look at this as if it's actually happening, then it looks like we are dealing with something like, I don't know, a reverse comeback? An article, the door, shows up out of nowhere and then ceases to be there later. An open mind, an open mind. I was just going to keep this to myself. I wasn't going to write it down. Nobody is going to believe this anyways, even if they saw it for themselves. Today, today something different happened. Marcos and I were working together They called us in to help move some of the old printing presses out of the unused part of the building Someone had purchased them, whether for parts or scrap or what, I don't know it took a little longer than expected for us and the two maintenance guys to move everything out to the trucks that were going to be taking the parts away Marcos decided to stay afterwards and help me do the cleaning rounds so I didn't have to stay too late Plus, it was extra pay for him As we were sweeping up the main production floor, I asked him if he had seen anything strange lately. I was hoping he was going to say he had seen the door too, but he didn't. We were almost done when I looked up from what I was doing and I saw Marco standing right in front of the door. He looked hypnotized. He was just staring at the door, completely silent, completely still. He looked like a wax statue of himself. I called out to him from the other side of the large room, but he didn't answer. I started towards him. He finally moved. He reached his right hand out and opened the door. I yelled his name as he stepped through. No response. Nothing. I ran to the door and looked down the stairs. Marcos had a small flashlight he kept on his belt. He was standing at the bottom of the stairs, looking down a long hallway. I heard a click. And then lights came on. I yelled down the stairs, but Marcos was already gone. So I followed. When I reached the bottom, Marcos was halfway down a long, white-tiled tunnel. A string of bare lights ran across the dome ceiling. At the end of
1: the tunnel, a door. As
0: I walked, I saw a few openings. A few openings were other tunnels connected to the one that we were in. I followed Marcos and the tunnel finally
1: ended in a large circular room. On the opposite wall, about 15 feet away, was an archway. Marcos walked straight up to the archway, and without stopping, stepped through. He disappeared. I called out his name again and again
0: as I slowly approached the arch. I couldn't see him anymore. Darkness. Pitch black. Silence. Marcos fell out of the doorway screaming. He was desperately scrambling, nails skidding off the tile floor, trying to get away from something. His feet were still in the blackness. He was frantically trying to crawl, drag himself away from the door. The spell I was in snapped and I ran to him, grabbing his left arm, and I tried to pull him out. I couldn't do it. We were both being pulled in, slowly sliding across the polished tile floor. I tried to wedge my feet against the doorframe, pulling desperately my back on fire with the strain. Black spots began to fill my vision. I was pulling as hard as I could. Snap. I flew backwards, Marcos' arm still in my hands. Just his arm. I dropped Marcos' arm and scrambled to my feet. The archway was still there, but instead of black... There was the same tile as the walls around it. The only proof that anything had happened was bleeding onto the floor. My heart was racing. Where did he go? Where was Marcos? What did I just see? I'm ashamed to say it, but I ran. I thought about calling the police, but I knew nobody would believe me. I don't even know if I believe me. I waited up all night, waiting for a call from work, the police, but nothing happened. I went back to work the next day. Everything was business as usual. No yellow police tape. No officers asking questions. Nothing. When Marcos failed to show up to work, a rumor began going around. Marcos's green card had expired, so he had to leave. In everyone's eyes, he was just another person who had quit and moved on. And there it was. Something that I could at least try to check up on. Eddie had said that Marcos had worked with him, so theoretically there should be a record of that somewhere. Eddie was a janitor at Well Made Paper, a manufacturing plant that took large rolls of paper products and turned them into all sorts of things. Folders, envelopes, binder dividers, even those folding takeaway boxes. And that had just happened to be where Spencer, Samantha, and myself worked. The storage room. The storage room was where they kept all the paper files from the time before they switched everything over to computers. So, during lunch break, Samantha and I used Spencer's key to get in and do some research. We found the file cabinet with the employee files, and a few minutes later we had Marcos' file in hand. There were a few positive reviews, a copy of his driver's license, and his work visa, but the last note, that was what we were looking for. On March 21st, Marcos had a no-call, no-show. That was it. That was the last note in his file. He had no-call, no-showed, the day after, according to Eddie's journal, he had stepped through the doorway. There are many more entries in the journal June 15th, 1996 August 29th, 1996 November 23rd, 1996 All pretty close together Then a short break until March 18th, 1997 The door I always held out a small amount of hope Hope that Marcus might come back Might be able to tell me where the door went I know how crazy it sounds but now, the scariest part is I feel that if I hadn't written these things down, that if I hadn't recorded them in my own handwriting, I might have forgotten them. The memories are kind of slippery, fluid, hard to hold on to. There are times when I forget about them completely until something happens again. Or I read through my journal and I'm reminded. Just like the video game. It feels like the memories are trying to slip out of my head, just like the door slips out of reality. Maybe that's why nobody's talking about it, or maybe I'm just the only one who has seen it, or even the only one who's noticed. Marcos isn't the only one who just didn't show up to work one day. Everyone thought it was just the job. Most of them were only passing through town anyway, on their way to bigger, better things not many people want to stick around and do this monotonous work forever I tried talking to other people at work the maintenance crew production line workers I tried to hint that I've seen something something strange but I never got any responses maybe they've seen something and maybe they've forgotten or maybe they feel as crazy as I do March 20th, 1997. It's back. I know I haven't been writing as much. I've been busy with the deep. It has taught me so much. The appearances are mostly random, but they don't have to be. It's here. Just like she said it would be. It worked. I did what she said, and it worked. The door was there, already open. Down the stairs, through the tunnel, the archway. This time I could see through. A large room. Just like the one I was in. Only a mirror image. I would have thought it was a mirror. But I didn't see myself standing in the doorway. I wanted to go through. See, everything on that side was the same as everything on this side. I wanted to go in. I wanted in. Before I knew it, I was standing at the threshold. I needed to go in. The room, the other world, I could feel it. Everything I wanted, everything I wish I had waiting for me on the other side. I reached out. There was no pain. My hand didn't disappear. It wanted me. The feeling changed. It wanted me. I pulled my hand back as soon as it was clear. The wall snapped back into place. The arch disappeared right before my eyes. It's okay, though. I'm 100% ready this time. And I know how to bring it back.
1: That was it. The last journal entry from Eddie.
0: Nobody ever saw him again. He missed his sister's birthday the next day. She went to his house looking for him, and no Eddie. His wallet? His motorcycle, gone. Nothing else was missing. It was like he had gone to work his night shift and never came back. The days leading up to his disappearance were normal. He talked to his sister about making it to her birthday party, shopped for groceries, ran errands. The police checked a few things, asked a few questions, but the final theory was he had just snapped and ran away. They pointed to his journal entries as proof that he was having a mental break. And that was that. No search parties, no big investigation. But small towns being small towns, the story eventually got out. Someone from the police station, who had read the journals, talked to someone. And they talked to someone. And they talked to someone else. And on and on. I tried asking a few people about the disappearance. But Eddie, well, he's remembered as a crazy janitor who disappeared. That is, if he has even remembered at all. I asked Emily if I could talk to her mom, get another perspective from someone close to the case, but she told me that a year after Eddie disappeared, their family moved away. Emily came back to Whitefall only after her mom passed away a few years ago. So that's it. A journal, a family member, and a box of random stuff. I've been through that box at least five times. A few journals, a map of the area, A few small screwdrivers, like the kind for glasses. A strangely shaped metal tool. An antique fountain pen. An old set of keys, probably his spare set or just keys he collected through the years. A pocket knife. A pair of sunglasses. A framed picture of Eddie's parents. An old wristwatch. A few CDs. Nirvana, Oasis, REM. And my personal favorite. A Super Nintendo console. The Legend of Zelda, linked Link to the Past, Chrono Trigger, Super Metroid, Street Fighter 2, and a few more. Eddie did like his video
1: games. And then, there was the computer.
0: I tried to get it running the day Emily gave it to me, but it wouldn't even turn on. I ordered some parts to see if I could get it going. A new power supply, some new RAM, a newer video card. This thing better be worth it. It was definitely worth it. This is Tethers. Join us next time as we find out about The Deep, a mysterious game that up until now I thought was only a story. How did Eddie get this game? And does it have anything to do with his spiral into madness and eventual disappearance? If you have any information about The Deep or anything else that was talked about on this episode, please send it to tetheredpodcast at gmail.com that's t-e-t-h-e-r-s podcast at gmail.com send us a message send us a voice recording and it may be used on the show this is a brand new podcast and so far we have zero sponsors zero ads zero affiliations this is a labor of love so please subscribe please review please tell people about tethers see you next time